0: Hello, and welcome to Remarks and Reflections, a podcast offering insights into topics that are important to the Hillbrook community and the broader worlds of education and parenting. I'm your host, head of school, Mark Silver, and I invite you to join us for what we hope are lively conversations about a whole range of ideas and issues that connect with our vision to inspire children to achieve their dreams and reach beyond themselves to make a difference in the world. I'm recording at the beginning of May, the end of week seven of our extended shelter in place. In this episode, I'm going to offer some reflections on the seen and unseen impacts of COVID-19, as well as provide some insight into how we as a school are making decisions about how to open campus next year. Um, Most importantly, I want people to hear loud and clear that we are fully committed to having students on campus and conducting in-person learning from day one next year. The only exception, of course, will be if there is a mandated shelter in place. So this past week, our senior leadership team spent time reflecting on a recent New York Times article by Max Fisher, what will our new normal feel like? Hints are beginning to emerge. Uh, In the article, Fisher reflects on how people will change as a result of COVID-19. He noted that historically, there have been patterns that emerge when people live in isolation for extended periods of time. On one hand, he describes difficulty focusing and and difficulty trying to think more than a few days into the future things that I know I certainly have been experiencing recently, and heightened anxiety, while on the other hand, a developing instinct to also look out for others, that sense that um, in these these moments of crisis, people actually um, find that good in themselves and and then find that good to help other people. He also writes about an initial desire to, to fight or resist reality, which is ultimately replaced, he says, with, at least for those who are able to do it, a recognition that you need to focus on things you can control and live in the moment. It reminded me of the concept of grief that I had discussed in an earlier episode that I know a lot of people have been talking about in the broader community, and those stages, um, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and ultimately acceptance. The idea that struck me more than any, however, was that he talked a little bit about this notion of um, impacts that we can't yet imagine. Um, And again, you know, given the nature of those, he wasn't necessarily able to articulate what those might be, but trying to think about a year from now, two years from now, many years from now, how will people have changed as a result of this moment? So this last idea, kind of this notion of unseen impacts is something that I thought a lot about um, following the reading of that article and then just in general, um, the implication that adults and children are experiencing things and being impacted in ways that we cannot yet fully understand. A parent of a lower school student had shared an acrostic poem written by her son a few weeks ago with me. um, And this poem, remarkably to me, Really captures kind of this notion of the seen and unseen impacts of this moment. So I'm going to read the poem. It's an, acro- as I said, it's an acrostic poem, and the acrostic is online school. Online school is hard, never getting to play with my friends, learning more quietly. I am working with my mom a lot, not seeing anyone outside of my family, eating Indian food as lunch. Sad that a lot of people are dying. COVID-19 is bad. Having to do some stuff with no help. Oof. I'm stuck at home. Of course, I do Roblox. Lingering questions. I love this poem, and it's amazing to me that it was written by a lower school student. So in the poem, you know, he points out the impacts he is feeling now, loneliness, sadness about the broader impacts beyond his own home. The feeling of being stuck and i love the fact he also in- intersperses a few positives indian food for lunch playing roblox it's the final line um, that he puts out into the universe for us this phrase which speaks beautifully to the sense of longer unknown impacts lingering questions i love that idea it's this idea of lingering questions the idea that we don't know what we think about this moment And we don't know how we're going to make sense of it moving forward. There's one other article I want to mention in terms of impacts that we're all experiencing right now. And that just came out a couple days ago. Um, It's by uh, Kate Murphy, who's the author of the book, You're Not Listening, What You're Missing and Why It Matters. And she offers insight into something that I've been experiencing and I keep hearing other people experience, which is the exhaustion that we all feel from using Zoom or Google Meet. Um, So the article is called Why Zoom is Terrible. And she explains that experts, including psychologists, computer scientists, and neuroscientists are all in agreement. And she says, quote, the distortion and delays inherent in video communication can end up making you feel isolated, anxious, and disconnected, or more than you were already. So the experts note that the technology itself is impeding our ability to use our natural, natural facial mimicry to read people's emotions. For example, and uh, so it's the delays, the distortions that happen, and as they note, that happen even when we don't notice it. So obviously, there are certain moments when you're using Zoom and everything pauses, and, and so you can tell that something's going wrong. But what they're actually talking about are things that are happening without us even recognizing it, but that are impeding our natural ability to kind of read people and to read emotions and through, through facial mimicry. Um, it also talks about inhibiting trust. Because it's we're not really able to look people in the eye. And then you have these you know kind of strange interactions where different people are looking at different parts of the screen and you can't really tell what they're doing. And again, th- what they're suggesting is that it builds up things that we naturally turn to as we're trying to build trust with people get lost in these interactions. Her solution, which I loved, and is actually something again that I've heard that I've started doing myself, but also I've heard a lot of other people talk about, is making phone calls. Um, And they make the you know without the video, making the case that actually not having the video takes away that whole level of of uh, all of those issues. And of course, it's less imperfect than an in person experience, but it's actually easier um, for many people to have phone calls. So that so that was something that that also made me think a lot about. Um, how, we're, how I'm doing b- work right now and, and doing work with families and, and students and, and teachers. But so these two articles in the poem serve, for me at least, as a powerful backdrop to the conversation that we have started at the school. And that conversation is, how do we reopen our campus for in-person learning for the 2020-21 school year while ensuring the safety and health of children and families? So the articles, to me, speak to the imperative for us to find a way to be on campus to bring students and teachers together in person. Um, I am extraordinarily proud of the work we have done this spring in a distance learning model. And yet I know that in the end, our educational experience is at its best with on-campus moments, formal and or informal, with students and teachers and families. Students need the connections with adults and other children. They also need the social emotional learning that happens best in person, learning how to share and take turns, learning how to problem solve a sticky situation with another child, learning how to collaborate on academic and non-academic experiences. All of us need the authentic connection and relationships that only happen in person. So we had our first reopening campus task force meeting yesterday, and we focused on several key areas, health and safety measures that we need to implement for students and employees coming and going from campus, Understanding different types of scenarios that may be required students being in smaller groups throughout the day, for example, that will force us to think of creative ways to take advantage of our campus. We've been talking about um, pop-up learning spaces and the notion that there's so much outdoor space that is accessible throughout much of the year that small groups of students could gather in. Um, And it's also forced us to rethink how we deploy staff um, and how we can best be prepared for potential shifts over the course of the year if, as the experts predict, we will have a second and potentially third wave of the virus. So from that meeting, I had kind of three big takeaways. One, our facilities team and our um, chief financial officer, Margaret Randazzo, and the operations team, which are fabulous will be challenged in ways that is, they have never been before. And so we're going to need to make sure that we really put the, the resources towards that and that we have enough staffing to effectively implement the health and safety measures that we need to have in place. The second thing is that reopening the campus, and this came up on the call, uh, the the uh, meeting, that Zoom call meeting that we had yesterday, speaking of Zoom, uh, but came up on this call was that reopening the campus will undoubtedly generate strong feelings and different opinions Um, We are committed to having an on-campus experience, and we recognize that for some of our families, and for a whole host of reasons, they may not feel comfortable having their children on campus at certain points during the year. So that means that we are um, committing to designing to ensure that all students, including those who are not comfortable being on campus, are able to access our program. So we're having to put together and think about what's a consistent design that we can create that enables us to potentially shift quickly between different scenarios. Um, so for example, we'll be on campus ideally for you know a, a significant piece of the, the year, and we know that there may come a moment where all of a sudden we're forced to transition back into a, a mandated shelter in place. We want to make sure that we have a structure in place that enables that that can happen smoothly and that the learning doesn't get compromised with that transition. And then finally, the third takeaway for me was that we are so well positioned to meet the challenges of the situation. Um, With our relatively small overall population, our spacious campus, our flexible spaces, and the extraordinary and talented team of teachers we have, I know that we will be able to adapt and adjust to ensure that all children are being well served and that we're able to continue to our vision as a school to inspire students to achieve their dreams and reach beyond themselves to make a difference in the world. So I will be sharing um, further updates on the work of the task force in the, you know, the next month or so. But again, as I said for, at, the, at the top of this podcast, what I want people to hear, you know, first and foremost, we are, pr- we are committed to having students on campus and to ensuring that we can do that in a way that is safe and, and ensures the health and safety of children and families and employees. And so that, that's our commitment. And that is what we are working really hard on right now to design for. I wanted to finish um, by by just uh, sharing a, a couple of good uh, pieces of good news, so to speak. Um, uh, the, I, I know many of us have been inspired by John Krasinski's "Some Good News." Uh, video podcast or video casts, and so I wanted to share a couple of things. One, I hope that people have seen the article on our teacher, uh, PE teacher, and longtime Hillbrook employee Paul DeMarco that we have highlighted. Paul has an organization called No Time to Waste, which helps bring food to people um, who who don't have access to it, and that's an organization that Paul has had for a number of years, and he was rightfully. Uh, highlighted a few uh, weeks ago in the Mercury News. Um, and we're just so proud of the work that he's doing amidst this crisis and, and throughout um, the last few years as he's done the work on that organization. So I encourage you to read that article um, and to send a note to Paul and congratulate him for, for continuing to really live out Hilbrook's core values um, as, as amidst this moment. Um, and then I also wanted to encourage families in this week's Hillbrook Happenings, you'll see a link to uh, this last week's Reach Beyond Block done by middle school students. And during that Reach Beyond Block, our middle school students were invited to create and share activities for lower school students. Uh, The idea was to encourage middle schoolers to take the perspective of a younger student, think about what needs those students have in this moment, and then create an educational video or experience for the students. So the videos are fabulous. Um, There's a whole host of how to videos, how to do a simple magic trick, how to draw a dog, how to arrange a bouquet of flowers. Um, another student talked about the value of nature walks. One student created logic puzzles for third graders. One of our seventh graders read her favorite Dr. Seuss story from when she was little and another one of my favorites, a fifth grader had her first grade sister there as her assistant, and they did a full how-to lesson of how to create a fairy light. Um, so I encourage you to watch those videos. They're, they're fabulous. And I also want to remind people that they're a wonderful example of the types of educational experiences that are happening at Hillbrook. So these students are, it's work to do this. It's coming up with an original idea, writing a script, organizing materials, producing and editing the video. And on top of that, they're gaining valuable skills and empathy, insight into their own strengths and passions, and of course, the, the commitment that we have as a school and that we continually share with students and families to reach beyond themselves and make a difference in the world. So thank you for joining me for today's podcast. Um, I look forward to reconnecting with people next week at the next podcast um, and uh, just hope that everybody is staying healthy, um, staying connected and um, taking care of yourselves. Uh, I miss being with everybody in person. You've been listening to Remarks and Reflections, a podcast of Hillbrook School. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can also find the Remarks and Reflections blog post at hillbrook.us another space where we are looking to connect with and engage members of our community in conversations important to our school, education, and parenting. And as always, you can find our school on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, our website at hillbrook.org. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and be your best.